buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 42. Today we're going to chat with Mickey Shook from Carry Trainer. Malcolm wants to buy a gun, but Gertrude won't let him. And we're going to talk about hidden hybrid holsters. Today's panel is Lacey Lane, Ava Flanell. My name's Sean Heron, and uh, welcome, guys. And I'm sure everyone's wondering, why did Sean do the intro? Including Sean. Right? <laughs> and that's because apparently I don't know how to say carry. No, you, you do. <laughs> it's really weird. It was the weirdest thing. There's like this small nuance where when you say carry trainer, it sounds like you're saying someone's name and not like the name of a company. And I'm like, carry, 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 carry trainer. <laughs> so I was like, all right, Sean, you want to complain? You're going to do the intro. Oh, all that's, right. That's just rude. Before we get started, let's talk about Manicore Arms. Let's talk about Manicore Arms. So uh, just a few days ago, I was at Lacey's house and her husband, he owns a Scorpion Evo and he brought it out of the safe and he said, why don't you guys, yeah, that's what he said, (laughs) pimp it out basically. So then I started looking at Manicore Arms. Because there's like nowhere else to look, Ovs. Yeah. And plus they give the best prices, so... Um, also, so I started looking and, um, one of my favorites that I looked at that looked really cool was the reverb muzzle brake. Mm-hmm. Um, that's cool. Yeah. And then, um, Sean and I were just talking the really awesome thing that they have is the Scorpion Evo bench block, which, um, I haven't seen anything like it anywhere else. I don't know if you guys have. Yeah. I mean, it's similar to the AR bench blocks that you throw in a vice, but this one's made specifically for the Evo. So when you're going to replace the handguard or the muzzle or whatever, you're not having to clamp it down in a vice, you know, just has that nice aluminum milled and, uh, keeps your gun safe while you work on it. So pretty cool stuff. And that's just kind of what Manicore does. They, they kind of look at products as they come to the market. Um, the safety is something you should replace too, because when they tested this gun overseas, most of the guys over there wear gloves. So when it came to the U.S. with our lily white princess hands, uh, that that safety selector is really inconvenient. So they kind of moved it up out of the way of your trigger finger, and it's actually a lot more comfortable. And then what else would you put on it? Did you pick out any other? Um, I like the slider stock. Yeah, I That's like that too. That's pretty cool. I just think that the bench block is great if since we're going to be working on it anyway. Mm-hmm. May as well. Um, but I'm really glad you said something about the safety, Sean, because I didn't even think about that. And Chad does have those lily white hands. Yeah, yeah. those princess hands. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're so princessy. <laughs> All right, guys, so if you want to save 15%, use the code GUNFUNNY15, and uh, that gets you 15% off. All right, let's get to know Mickey. It's pretty serious music. Right? <laughs> Learn the things you never knew. On deconstructing the industry. My God, my heart just started pounding, guys. <laughs> right. It, uh, for a second, you probably thought you were about to enter the world of Jumanji. Uh, <laughs> but no. The Thunderdome. Yes. So, Mickey, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I do not have Lily soft hands, uh, for certain. That I, I kind of took great offense to that and almost hung up on this podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I am a Second Amendment educator and firearms trainer, but the uh, brand carry trainer, which you were trying to trying to uh, say there earlier, really the reason that that came about is uh, trying to pass on information that's pertinent and information that is going to 
help the listener, the student, become a better protector of themselves immediately. Uh, there's so much fluff and nonsense in this business, uh, in this industry, when it comes to training and, and uh, um, various mindsets of training. So much ego and, and machismo is put into it by guys thinking that their uh, lack of penis size or uh, lack of background or their background requires them to pass on shit that's not necessary. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It definitely does. I don't so, know if I said too many foul words all at once at the beginning of your show. Oh no, no, no. We we normally do. So uh, let's talk about that just a little bit. I mean, obviously, the training industry is a little bit of an interesting conundrum to me. So we've we've got people who served. We've got former law enforcement or current law enforcement. Lots of people out there training. I actually talked about this with the primary and secondary guys and a lot of uh, well-known trainers on that show. Um, I'm a civilian. And I think there's like this kind of disconnect between the two sides. And you just kind of mentioned that a little bit more. What are your thoughts on that disconnect? And does it really matter? Um, First off, when you say two sides, are you saying like former former or current service people and then civilians? Yeah, yeah. Civilians as trainers versus uh, people um, that that have former service or law enforcement or et cetera. Okay. Uh, Just for the listener's edification, a law enforcement officer is a civilian in the United States. I just like to make sure that cops realize that they're the same as me and you. (laughs) Um, But but, uh, I think that disconnect that disconnect often is ego related. So uh, I am not a service member, never have been, never will be. I was injured as a child and blind in one eye. So that precluded any. Um, military service, which that's not like a woe is me story. I just like to throw that out there because guys will say to me, well, why didn't you sign up? Well, they wouldn't let me. But that said, I have friends uh, that are from the highest echelons of special operations that have great respect for me, which is wonderful, and other uh, friends of mine that did not come from their pedigree because, and here's the interesting thing, because the men and women, but mostly men at that level of special operations, the thing that separates them from average Joe, uh, sailor, airman, or soldier, and people don't like when I say this, it's raw intelligence. So really what makes a special operations soldier a special operations soldier is how uh, they process information, their ability to uh, think critically. And so those guys can take a look and say, Here's somebody that can pass on information in a meaningful and worthwhile way that that there's some benefit versus somebody that is Pat McNamara calls it institutional inbreeding. Uh, where the law enforcement community is is rife with it, where this is the way we've always done it. Thus, this is the way we will continue to do it without saying, for example, we are now communicating through a, a avenue that. Uh, never existed right and when like when i was a kid i'm 40 but when we were children this never existed there are a lot of people that don't do this because it's just something new or uh out of their their scope or realm of of reality so that's the same in the training world so the people that have an issue with somebody not having a particular background probably are letting their ego do the thinking You can't argue with, uh, well, you can, but if the material that's being passed on is meaningful, 
uh, thought out and follows some guidelines of safety and things of that nature, who really cares who's saying it? You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, I totally agree. That That's definitely the, the path that I went down when I was discussing that with them. Uh, and again, primary and secondary, I mean, these are guys with real world, real world experience, lots mm-hmm. of them, um, exactly like you said, a lot of intelligent guys, not necessarily the best at uh, being humble specifically, but I mean, just exactly like what you said. So you take someone who uh, has decided that they want to carry and decided that they, they want to train to defend their lives they go look around at people and they say like, oh, this class is taught by a Navy SEAL and this class is taught by a guy named, you know, Mickey Shook. Like how, how do you delineate the, the, or I'm sorry, how do you, how should they evaluate their choice and choose? That's a good question. First of all, I would never suggest to a potential client of mine, come to see me instead of somebody else because of xyz come to me if you are looking for what i offer and what i offer uh this is the go back a step on that the interesting thing about most of what we're talking about in the context of uh private citizens being armed so i teach law enforcement we do some work with some people that are in the military the military does not hire me but i do work with people that are in the military and of course the majority is probably 70 percent of my client base is folks like us that carry guns on a daily basis. That said, the metrics that need to be met in order to take said weapon, be it whatever you carry or, or I carry, and make it place a hole or holes into an intended target, none of that changes. The gun doesn't care if you have stripes on your sleeve that say you're a sergeant. It doesn't matter if, it, if you are a member of an elite unit or you are a uh, stay at home dad, uh, or, or mom, the the weapon does not care. So, um, there are people who are making the same decision as we talked about the instructors that let ego decide their decision-making. There are consumers that make their same decision. I will go see this person because he or she has some background that sounds relevant, which in reality, and everybody knows this, but doesn't talk about it. There's not a lot of dudes kicking in doors overseas with pistols. That's not really what they do. Now, if you want to talk to somebody that's in came from special operations or general army background about tactics, team tactics, field craft type things, uh, that they that's what they spend their their bread and butter training time on, but most of them are not working covertly. There are some, but most of them are not working covertly, which is what we do when we walk around with a pistol in our purse or under our shirt. Uh, That's not what they do. So um, that's the one thing. My question to anybody that's looking for training is what's your goal? What is the goal? Anything I think we do in life, the question should be, what's my goal? If I want to lose some weight, well, how much? If I want to earn more money, how much and in what way? And if I'm going to go spend my resources to get training of any kind, if it's if it is not just for entertainment, because there are people that do firearms and combatives training to them, it's entertainment. But there are those that are seriously doing it. I would analyze what is the purpose of this training, not from what the course syllabus says, but why am I investing my time and energy in this? That makes sense to you? Definitely. Yeah. And, and once you answer that question, that should dictate where you're going. If 
I have a gentleman that works for me, works with me, that is one of the founders of the Army Combatives Program. So he's got an MMA background. He's a former Army Ranger. So if we're going to talk about I want to develop a system of fighting that I can protect my family and myself, Aaron is his name. Aaron would be a great guy to talk to. I have another friend that runs a jiu-jitsu gym. Could he pass on some things that, that Aaron can? For sure he could. But his stuff is going to be more geared to sport fighting. So I would ask that question. And then uh, not everybody likes the way I teach. So I'm, I'm very direct. You probably can tell as we're already talking. I don't really like to mince words. Words uh, and communication to me is a uh, skill set that I work on. And I try to be as brief as possible to get the point across. With that, I'll shut up for a minute. Good answer. I like it. So in a recent interview with Skillset, I uh, I heard you say that you usually talk to students, potential students, before you allow them to sign up for a class. What What is the reasoning for that? Well, you know, believe it or not, I don't know how old you guys all are. Um, Oh, we're pretty young. Yeah, I'm young. Yep. uh, Uh, Except for Sean. Old enough to own a gun, I hope. Yep. 21. Why why (laughs) I brought that up is, so one of you mentioned uh, that in the training the training world is a weird thing. Well, there was no training world 10 years ago, 15 years ago. There definitely wasn't Mm -hmm. the first, the first time I took a formal firearm course outside of like an NRA type of course was in the mid nineties. And at that time, most of the people teaching were either a high level competitive shooter, which at that time was IPSC or like PPC, the practical pistol, uh, uh, shooting, uh, police, police practical pistol, sorry, or um, they were a veteran or or cop that was teaching uh, oftentimes to other cops. And then what they would do is they would, uh, you could sign up and many of them would require you, many, but there was only a few people doing it. They'd require you to go get a letter from your local police chief, sheriff, state's attorney stating that you were a good moral character. Well, nowadays, and this freaks me out when we, when we started our YouTube channel, for example, a number of years ago, it was a private channel. And the only purpose of it was for our paid students that would call and say, hey, Mick, what was that thing you told me about X, Y, Z? I'd say, hey, go watch the third video on our channel and you can get a refresher because I didn't want to pass that stuff on. Well, we all know if you can watch Mickey on Instagram showing you how to draw a gun and you're a good person, bad people can too. So out of the gate, the reason I want to know is there's a there's a big difference between uh, watching a video and showing up and spending time in a class. So I want to know who's coming. I want to know what your intentions are. I want to know what kind of person you are. You guys all have trained with firearms. I'm going to spend 16 to 24 hours with this person with a loaded weapon in my vicinity and in the vicinity of a dozen or more people that are in my care. So I want to know who these these people are. Some people don't understand that because they'll just take anybody's money. Uh, but we're we're passing on information that can be used for great good or great evil. And that's not to sound corny. That is a, a big responsibility. Mm-hmm. I take it as such. Yeah, I like that. And what made you want to become an instructor? That's a great question. So I am a... Uh, I've been self-employed for almost 20 years. I'm a fifth generation carpenter, believe it or not. And hence, I don't have those soft baby hands that you <laughs> talked about. 
but um, grew up in northern Illinois in the country, and and we have some of the worst gun laws in the country in totality. We've got some good ones compared to other states. Long and the short of it, a number of years ago, I started working uh, lobbying to change some laws in our state, ultimately became the president of a uh, group called the Right to Carry Association, and I travel to our state capital frequently, work with uh, various political people in our region and abroad, and um, it ultimately then got involved deeply in politics to the point that I became the vice chairman of the Republican Party. Not that I would deeply call myself a Republican, I'm more of a libertarian, but party politics is how you have to get things done at times. Definitely. So. In answer to your question, after spending all that energy, we changed the laws in Illinois. We were the last state in the union to create a, a, um, a law of regulating the ability to conceal and carry. And what, what happened here is the same thing that happened many places is, uh, and we also were fortunate to help design the curriculum in some, it's in a small capacity that is used to, uh, allow the certification so we've got like the most onerous training in the country it's 16 hours of training and it's a lot of money it's hundreds of dollars to get the license so i i at that point had already been teaching um for a number of number of years but i never had uh really worked outside of our area and just seeing what's out there this is i think the impetus for a lot of people there are many people that try to make things very very complicated either because they're too ignorant to understand how to simplify it or i think it makes them seem more valuable when they try to make things more complicated and so i just felt like i'd throw my hat in that ring and um, see if people liked what we had to offer and thus far they have we we teach a coast to coast and i'm very fortunate that people uh, enjoy what we pass on. I learn a lot from it. So I hope that answers your question. Why is it that you teach coast to coast as opposed to just in your state? Well, I think that's, and that's should be self-evident. I didn't mean that in a, a rude way. Uh, would you drive to my town from where you're at and train with me? No, but, uh, I mean, there's a million instructors in the country. That's why I asked that. There, there is, uh, well, and that's the reason I do it. There is a lot of of people passing on very ignorant ideologies. Um, here's my overlying, my overlying uh, philosophy on training. What's the purpose? What are you trying to do? Like I said a minute ago. So for most of us, it's to become a better protector of ourself in some way, shape, or form. And if we're using a weapon to do that, then we need to become the best marksman that we possibly can with whatever platform we choose to carry. And then we build up curriculum around that. So there are, and I will say there are many awesome instructors. I personally am a student at least six times a year for two to three day courses. I've had well over a thousand hours of professional firearms training as a student, all documented. Um, so I'm not saying like I'm the end all be all. I trained tons. I just drove to South Dakota to go train with a guy last weekend, which was 2000 mile round trip. So I, I do that, but people ask us. So that's, you know, that's the other reason people say, Hey, will you come here? Sure. I'll come. So, um, one of the other things that we do besides the actual range, flat range training is part of our business is 
as educators as we'll go into schools, churches, hospitals. And this is stuff we were doing before it was in vogue nowadays with all of the crazy shootings that are happening. Mm -hmm. We educate kids on gun safety. I'll go into high schools and talk about this stuff. We go into uh, corporate clients like churches or or schools. Uh, We create plans of action for them. Where's the egress points? Where's the uh, points that you need to harden in this building? Who are the folks responsible for the safety of the occupants of the building and how are you going to keep them safe? Uh, strategies on what to do in the event of an emergency and then physical training for those people. So a lot of times what's got us on the road is not just flat range work. So we have other clients uh, outside of that. Let's talk uh, briefly. I watched some videos uh, of some of the classes that you did. Actually, I was just kind of letting your autoplay run through while I was working earlier this morning. And you did focus definitely on your medical brief as part of it, just in the outline and then verbally as well in the video that I was watching. Uh, Why is that important to you and kind of what's what's your history there? So the funny thing about this industry and Ava, I didn't. Uh, offend you by my response to you did i oh no not at all okay Um, absolutely not this industry it's interesting like because there's so much ego involved everybody's got to be better at everything than the next guy like um my medical brief's better than your medical brief or people will try to find something to nitpick on that guy did a medical brief but they didn't have uh they didn't explain have you guys sat in classes and listened to somebody like raise their hand and say, when you call 911 in the event of a shooting, let them know it's a training accident, and not a shooting. Have you ever heard somebody say things like that? Definitely. Mm-hmm. And there's sense to that. And where I'm going with that is people will invest so much energy in minutia. And don't get me wrong. There's things that are minute that we need to pay attention to. But I've heard guys spend an hour of training time talking about that. I don't know what you, which video you were listening to, so the context changes depending on the, the group, but you have to have a plan, right? If somebody gets shot, it's, it is very dangerous training with firearms. If you don't have a, a actionable plan, actionable meaning something that we can actually apply action to and do, not just some pie-in-the-sky bullshit, like the other funny thing, you show up on any training range and you start doing a medical brief, and you will have six guys raise their hand and tell you that they have a full blowout kit with, <laughs> uh, with uh, you know, whatever types of dressing that they carry. And they've got a decompression needle, which, of course, they've never fucking learned how to use, Without which is question. only useful for like one half percent of, of injuries. And there's even a good ER doctor would have a hard time applying such a thing. Yet this guy has one and he's an accountant. He's walking around with a decompression needle. But answer to your question, it's very important because when you're shot, you have a very limited amount of time depending on the severity of the injury to save somebody. So you make sure that everybody on deck understands what can and will happen Uh, in the event of that. I think that comes back to communication again. We've never had any type of accidents in any of our training other than scrapes or or scratches. And I think um, we do that because I set the tone at the beginning. I set the tone when people sign up for course. There's no funny business. We have all kinds of fun. I make more jokes than, like right now this is serious, Mickey, 
But once we're on the range, it's grab assing and all kinds of fun. But we do it in a manner that <laughs> we are in complete control of weapons and uh, complete awareness of who is around us because I can be in control of my gun and you might not be in control of yours and I don't want to be walking in front of it. So I think it's, there's back to my point about there's weird things in this industry. It's, it's stuff like that. Guys invest energy a lot of times in the wrong things, like tons of time talking about shit that just doesn't really matter. And medical briefings do matter, but not like some people do. Yeah. Now, so you mentioned that you're an EMTB in the video that I was watching. Did you get that to be better at what you do or was it part of uh, another part of your life that kind of led you there that you're able to use? Yeah, actually, that was, that was years ago too. I did that. Uh, I had a friend of mine that was um, signed up to be a, a firefighter. I was a, just out of high school. I'm like, Hey, that sounds cool. So I signed up at our local college for the uh, firefighter uh, EMT program that they had. And I never did it as a career. I don't, I don't think I ever even wanted to, but I enjoyed that kind of stuff. I've spent a lot of my youth out of doors backpacking. And it's amazing how much those skills come into play. I've got at least a dozen stories of applying life-saving aid to people in my travels. I've come upon a boat accident where somebody ended up dead and two people were, were very badly wounded car wrecks. I'm in the car. I drive 30,000 miles a year. My, my wife, if you ever run into her, ask her car wreck stories. It's almost like once every two months we come upon some kind of crazy wreck just because we travel so much on the open roads. So those kind of skills, you bringing that up, that is a perfect example of training for the wrong things. My, my goal of training and I mentioned this a moment ago, if I'm sounding preachy at all, one of you just interrupt me. Like my goal when I train is to protect myself. And this is what I ask people. I'll ask one of you, why do you want to protect yourself? Uh, because my gun makes an excellent accessory to my fashion choices. <laughs> no, but for real. And I love that answer, but for real, like what is the purpose of wanting? So if I'm a bad person and I'm going to hurt one or all of you, what would be your reason for stopping this is not like a deeply esoteric question, but it sounds that way. Yeah, mine's purely selfish that, that I think that my life is more important than someone who should wish to rob me of it. Hell yeah. So you want to keep on living, which I don't know if that's selfish. That's deeply ingrained in like every living thing. You go outside in a rainstorm and the worms are coming up out of the dirt so they don't die, right? It's like mm -hmm. it's in us to live. So if I wish to live... I think if we if we thresh that out, you're selfish because you want to you want to keep living. Why? Because you must enjoy living. You want to keep living to enjoy more of your life as long as you can. So to enjoy my life, I, this is for me, but I think it's truthful to anybody if they're honest to truly enjoy your life. You enjoy it most when you're healthy and happy. So if I'm not physically healthy decide some type of birth defect or disease outside of our control, I'm probably not taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. So I personally try to take good care of myself. I drink, I smoke cigars from time to time, but I, I eat very healthy. I exercise and I, I try to keep myself in good shape. Why? Because then I can enjoy my life and uh, be around for a long time. So back to the training thing, 
guys don't like enjoy it's not fun to talk about uh choking hazards or cholesterol but that's way more likely to kill you than some bad guy on the street yet there's these dudes on the range that can't tie their shoes because of their body condition and they won't spend any time (laughs) making themselves healthy but they'll spend thousands of dollars a year on shooting guns to protect themselves from a highly unlikely occurrence yeah. Did I turn your fun show into a not fun show? Now? No, not at all. <laughs> I, so uh, Rob Pincus has given the same explanation. Uh, basically, you know, uh, that physical fitness is much more likely to kill you than, than someone walking up with a gun on the street. And I, I think it's an excellent point. I agree. That, you know, you just saying that, I think that this is another one of my, and it's not my things, but it's something I think about. I think if any of us, look at the same problem long enough, most of us will arrive at the same conclusion, right? That's, this is a martial art to me, mm-hmm. this martial path. And if, it, as you elevate through any martial path, and I'm not talking about like some uh, uh, strip mall karate dojo, I'm talking about a true journey of self-discovery, you should become more enlightened. It's like if you guys study any martial arts, the word do means way right? Like Taekwondo, the way of something. And it's usually like the way of some master Mm -hmm. that created it. And I'm not calling myself that that's not what I'm saying. What I'm what I mean is like, if we're on this journey, the journey is to live a long full life. I wish to die an old man never having to be violent. I've had to be violent in my life. I don't wish to be I want to come home at night and laugh and play records and drink good IPAs. And, and that that's it. But I think, and and this is where back to the earlier part of this topic, I think a lot of people approach this training, not from that perspective. And I'm not saying I'm right. I'm saying this is my opinion and I'm fucking right. But uh, I think a lot of people come at it from the perspective of we're trying to come up with a way to use our training. I post a lot of videos like uh, you guys familiar with John Korea? Yeah, uh, active self-protection. Yeah, so John's a buddy of mine. You know, John got kind of famous posting these these videos of shootings. And I will do that, except I kind of come out of the different angle. I don't tell you what you should or shouldn't have done. Almost all of them have the same problem. It's awareness, right? Somebody got caught, they got shot or got mugged or whatever, and they because they they allowed it. They weren't paying attention. Well, I'll post this stuff. I posted something up the other day and there was 30,000 views on Instagram of it and several hundred comments and 70% of the comments were, I would have shot that guy. I would have emptied my whole mag into him. I would have done this. I would have done that. No, you wouldn't. The guy in the video was stabbed to death. You wouldn't have done shit. Like that's what happened. That's Mm -hmm. the way it worked out. It, it, the, the training is not preparing people to live that the answer or response to the viewer should have been this particular video, a cab driver in Ecuador, somebody came and opened up his passenger door, got in with a 12 inch knife, wanted the, his uh, money from the cab fares all day. The guy didn't give it up. He ended up getting stabbed to death. And like my view is, why didn't you drive away when you heard the door open? Why did you keep your door locked? Why were you sitting somewhere where somebody could walk up to you without you seeing? Like, rather than I would have drawn my gun and dumped a whole magazine in them. No, you wouldn't have. If you got caught in that position, that's the outcome, 
Like that's, that's the way it works. So this, so many of these trainers, they train the, the deployment of the weapon, not the why and the, the how not to. Yeah, no, I like that stuff as well. And, you know, it's so easy to, to armchair quarterback. We end up in this industry, I feel, doing it an awful lot. Sure. But, you know, just being able to kind of look at something, analyze something, and kind of reinforce those positive traits that we kind of all need is, is hugely important. So I like that. Lisa, you had a question. Yeah, I did. So um, a few questions back, you had mentioned the right to carry. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So that organization, the purpose of it, if you guys are interested in looking at looking it up, the web address is McHenry County Right to Carry Association. It's a, we started it in my county, but it, we work across the state and farther out. The main purpose of it was uh, creating an organization that local people, NRA is a great group. I work with NRA and, and some others, Illinois State Rifle Association is another uh, but they don't know my local city councilmen, my local uh, county board people, uh, local sheriffs, so on and so forth. Right. So we created basically uh, the simplest way to put it is we put a lot of voters together. We've changed a lot of elections here. I helped put a new sheriff in office. I helped put a new uh, state's attorney in office. Uh, we helped change up several state representatives, a handful of county board members. And this this afternoon, I actually have a meeting because there's an ordinance that our county board's trying to pass uh, to limit outdoor shooting where somebody will need to get some very onerous uh, uh, zoning uh, wow. zoning. Uh, uh, what am I trying to say? They'll need to go to the zoning department and basically beg to be able to shoot on their own property. And the way the ordinance is written is it won't happen. So we created a group that we can one educate the general public simple things like this shooting ordinance we've stopped it many times because what we've done is is when somebody i live in a community that's half urban and half rural i'm on the outskirts of chicago so there's still areas where it's safe and legal to to shoot firearms out of doors but then you have like neighborhoods that have popped up so that starts getting noisy people call the cops it's within the confines of law but then people say well it's noisy i don't want to hear it so what we've tried to do is help educate people like yeah it is your legal right to shoot but you're an asshole neighbor when it's sunday at 10 o'clock at night and you're doing a night firearm training next to a neighborhood where people have to get up for work and school Mm -hmm. so we've, we've been uh advocates of just being a good citizen a good person so the purpose of the organization is to educate and help uh, effectively change laws or stop laws and that we've done a lot of wow good work yep awesome um all right so wrapping up just give us a little bit of information about uh is it your podcast called the higher line yeah that's it the higher line podcast so everybody's got a podcast now um as you guys know we're on one and thank you by the way i feel like i bogarted most of your time here no 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 that's that's literally that's, what this segment's for yep all great okay. answers um, so the higher line, I, I interview uh, all kinds of people that are in, in, in and around the periphery of this industry. So many people, when they, when they see the gun world, they assume the person has to be some gun person. But uh, we do have a lot of folks that we, that we uh, interview and or converse with uh, that are 
gun people or trainers or somehow deeply rooted in the industry, but then others, uh, medical professionals, uh, psychologists, uh, some music people. And the point really is some of the stuff I've been talking about, like my, my main focus in life with, with my personal life and my business is to become the best version of myself and through our efforts, help others to become the best versions of themselves, not because of me, but because of the information that we can pass on. And this information is not Mickey's information. It is information that men have known for thousands of years by men. I mean, man, mankind, right. uh, you know, things about simple things like, what are you thinking about all day? What are you thinking about when you get out of bed? What kind of things do you say to yourself throughout the day? So that is the context of that show. And we talk about shooting and such. Uh, we talk about some of the, those kinds of things, but a lot of time, I called it the higher line because we're talking about things on, on a, another plane. And do we lose some viewers there? Sure. We're not, we're not talking about, uh, you know, what's the best ammo or something like that. Although we have those discussions too. One of my, my sponsors is an ammo, ammo manufacturer. That's a, a icon of the industry. And so we talked with him for several hours one day about the, creation of most of the ammos that we go buy off the shelves today so that was interesting cool yeah very cool man i've actually i heard the episode with john napolitano i thought it was i thought it was good i Mm -hmm. i really did enjoy it i do appreciate uh your blunt nature i think uh i think that the world's a better place when people speak their mind and tell you what they're actually thinking I appreciate that. I get a message once in a while thanking me of that. And then once in a while, I will hear you're a fucking asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can't please everyone. I don't mean to be. I just, uh, I, the older I've gotten, I find that there is what real benefit is there if we're communicating? Why should we mince words with each other? I mean, I wouldn't want to say something. Some people use that as an excuse to be, to be rude. And that's not my intention. So thank you. Mm. Good stuff. All right. So uh, for those who want to follow you, where can they find you? Carry Trainers pretty much when it's C-A-R-R-Y. Carry Trainers, the name for YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, the web address, carrytrainer.com. And we, we are easy to find. We've got events all over the country we've got a, a our flagship event which is the s12 training experience that's a three-day event where people come we all stay on the same property together and train uh, got some 18 deltas which is a green beret medic we've got two green beret medics from d-day response group that come do a in-depth amazing uh austere medicine course and then my friend z is part of that instructor z another another former green beret so we we do some cool events like that. That next one's in Nashville in August, and then we've got other uh, two-day courses around the country. So anybody is looking for any of that, carrytrainer.com, and there's a link on there to send us an email if you want to talk about something specific. Awesome. Yeah, very, very cool, man. Uh, austere Medicine, I, I want to hear more about that uh, after the show because I definitely that that's relevant to my interest for sure. Cool. All right, cool. Uh, can you hang out with us for a little bit? If you want me to. Of course. <laughs> what? As long as you, can we get the joking Mickey out instead of the serious one? <laughs> I'm here. Uh, let, me get a, let me crack another beer. There, there you, you go. go. Perfect. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm drinking coffee. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, me too. <laughs>
All right. So let's talk about uh, Matador Arms. Um, So we were looking at their website earlier, and we noticed the Flare Stack. Yeah. Which um, I don't think we haven't seen before. No, they actually just launched it. I was doing some research before the show. Um, Looks like four days ago. Yeah, it's a hybrid flash comp. And... uh, Pretty, pretty sexy. They're making they they do make some really good uh, muzzle devices. That you know the, the key here is making sure that you get back on target super quick. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am always interested in hybrid products that perform kind of multiple duties. It, it's definitely tough to see a hybrid product that does both of its jobs well. So I'm definitely curious to see this one and, and excited to see this one. It's it's got a good aesthetic to it. And, yeah, it looks uh, really nice. Yeah, so they have the Stinger, the Hammerhead, and then the Flare Stack. Yep, brand new. Not available in the U.S. yet. It will be soon uh, available in Canada right now. So uh, go bug them on their Instagram and tell them that you want to see this ASAP in, in the, the U.S. US. And I'm the sure, U.S. of A. I'm sure that'll help with the bureaucracy because, uh-huh. you know, just people complaining will make the government go faster. <laughs> if you guys it want, always has, right? Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, and if you guys want to receive 10% off, use the code GUNFUNNY10. And today's prank call is brought to you by Matador Arms. It's time for prank calls with Malcolm and Gertrude. Honey! Gun counter, this is Can I help you? Uh, yes, hello. My name is Malcolm, and I was looking for the uh, Signal the P365. I do not have the P365 in stock yet. Uh, where could I can I order one? Like what? I, I'm having a let lot me, of trouble finding that, sir. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's pretty new. So let me see if I have one on my website that we can order, um, and uh, we'll go from there. So just hang on for just a second. Can you, uh, before you do that, I just wanted to make sure that this is actually what I want. Could you just tell me a couple things about it? Alrighty, what? Um, so you're you're looking for the uh, the 365, right? It's the uh, the 10 mil. Um, the new one that they just came out with. Oops. What's 10 mil? No, it's uh, not 10 mil. Sorry. It's a 10 round 9 millimeter. Oh, okay. That makes sense because I didn't even know. I was like, is is 10 mil better? Or could I get 11 or something, you know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, no. Malcolm, um, yeah, it's a 10 round Malcolm what are you doing? Are you ordering another gun right now? Uh, no. Who is this? Who are you talking to? Could you please hang up the phone? You're embarrassing me again. You told me you were not going to buy another gun unless I was able to get those shoes that I wanted. Oh, can we talk about this after I get off the telephone with my friend? Okay, what friend are you talking to? Because I'm pretty sure you were just asking about that signal gun whatever. Uh, You're really embarrassing me. See, we'll order the shoes, but we have to special order them because of your enormous hooves. Oh, okay, so now you're going to say that it's because I got big feet. I don't make fun of your big ears. You bought me earmuffs to wear around the house. I think that's pretty insulting, don't you? Could, I'm, I'm telling you, you're not buying any more. You're Could not you buying any more guns. Phone? Don't sell him any guns. He's not allowed to buy any more guns. You He's, are ruining. You're my not life. allowed to buy the guns because you're not cooperating with what we determined, and that was that I would buy the shoes. Every time you buy a gun, I get those shoes that I want, and it's been forever. You've already bought two guns, and where are the shoes that I want? Do you honestly think that my friend Josh wants to listen to this nonsense? You're not buying the gun. All right, so I'll hang up, but you get you're not buying the gun. Fine, thank you. <laughs> hang up now, uh, <laughs> and then he hung up on us. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So anyway, there's that. <laughs> Your hooves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
But in all honesty, I mean, Sean does have enormous ears, and he probably should get some earmuffs. And in all honesty, you've got enormous hooves. Well, I mean, I'm almost 5'9". <laughs> That's great. You're embarrassing all of us right now. <laughs> I was embarrassed. <laughs> uh, so here's the thing, uh, Mickey, is that the prank calls are like literally the most stressful part of my entire life. At first, it seemed like a good joke, and now it's like... The most stressful thing in the universe. Yeah, try doing it soba. <laughs> <laughs> Let's read some iTunes reviews. Uh, sh- should we do that or should we do this? Oh, the gear chat. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, today's like a Monday, you know? All right. Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. So last week, I received uh, a bunch of holsters from Hidden Hybrid Holsters, and before they sent them to me, I told them that I'm not a big fan of inside the waistband carry. Um, The only time that I even really have a gun on my waistband is outside the waistband when I'm on the range, but I just have never felt that uh, it's never been comfortable for me. It always seems like having something extra in my pants um, makes me feel like I have like a, a poompa. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, and I mean, you guys know I've been gaining a little bit of weight, so there's really no room. There's no extra room to put a holster in there. Um, I, I don't like anything extra in my pants either. <laughs> it's just, you know. Yeah. But uh, they assured me they're like, give it, you know, give us a try. The guy that I talked to, he said he used to be the same way. And so they sent me a few different options, and they actually were comfortable. It was still a little bit difficult for me to hide them, like for, you know, where I wasn't printing. Um, But with, like, looser shirts and stuff, it didn't really seem to be a problem. It was definitely uncomfortable. I put one on, and I did a bunch of, like, housework, mowed my lawn, uh, vacuumed, stuff like that. Even when I was sitting down, it wasn't, like, digging in. Yeah, like woman's work? Uh, Okay. (laughs) Mowing the lawn. (laughs) And so... uh, so yeah, I gotta say, like the quality, excellent quality. Uh, the backing is like a suede, so it's soft to your skin, and um, the clips were easy to use because I've used those uni clips before, and those work well. But for me, it's hard to get them on and off. Yeah, the ulti clip. Yeah, that's yeah. So um, you don't have like uh, you take a belt. No, I don't wear belts. And I mean, I know that in order to carry, you're going to have to make some adjustments, but, um, but it's, you know, I know that you're going to have to make some adjustments, but I just, belts have never really been part of my, you know, my, uh, attire. Exactly. The, the dangerous thing about not having a belt is it's easy to get a holster stripped away from you, even if it's not like somebody intentionally doing it, if you're having to do some type of aggressive movement it's easy to for a holster to get hooked on something if there's not a solid purchase onto your body and it can get pulled off of just like a edge of a pair of slacks or pants yeah. speedos whatever yeah definitely the and that's why i mean concealed carry belts they kind of do dual purpose a lot of them do have like uh, reinforcements inside whether it's steel or some kind of other metal or something like that plus you know they hold up heavier guns and things like that but yeah i agree um that it's one of the reasons i like the ulti clips which uh i'm seeing a lot more i think warfighter makes those well the clips that they use though were pretty yeah, they're metal instead of the, the they're plastic not yeah they're not metal. plastic and they definitely there was no budge or anything once they were on 
it wasn't it wasn't like it moved or anything when I when I uh, pulled my gun out of my holster. So um, I still, I guess, I have to work with it. I did try kind of like at five o'clock, sort of small my back, which because of the way that my body is shaped naturally, it kind of concealed a little bit better. Um, which I know people, you know, frown upon small the back because it's so close to your spine. But at five o'clock, it felt comfortable and it concealed better. So I guess I just have to work with things. I still prefer probably the belly band where I don't wear it inside, like around my hip so much as like my waist. And um, under your bust. Uh huh. I do. I actually, I don't hate the flashbang holster. <laughs> I actually don't, but I think that it's not really suitable for all women. Yeah. But it is easy my, for me to conceal. My big beef with hybrids is they they are supposed to be be, be more comfortable and concealable, but it's way more material. A mm-hmm. quality inside the waistband, 100% Kydex, Kydex holster is a lot less stuff to shove into your pants than... I've got all kinds of hybrids, even from some companies that sponsor us, and I just have never found them to be uh, less material. It's just more stuff, as you said, to shove in your pants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, I buy a pant size up so that I can fit guns, magazines, and, you Well, know. I do, too, but that's just because I'm getting older. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it was I- more like six sizes up but <laughs> I thought we Sean was going to pant size up for the white cake yeah. that too <laughs> okay I'm going two sizes up leave me alone um, but I do say like if you guys if that's your thing the you know the hybrid holsters definitely check them out uh, really nice guys and the quality is really nice um, and it's really they're not that that uh, pricey it it looks like it ranges anywhere from like average like 50 to 70 dollars um, but you're getting like that nice, like it's real leather suede backing. You guys can find them at hiddenhybridholsters.com. And uh, yeah, check them out. Hey, why don't you ask them to send you one of their single clip holsters? I'm looking on their website. They probably got a couple here that would be better than the hybrid that they've sent you. Oh, I do. I have one of those as well. Oh, did yeah. you try that one? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, that one. So it had like that little wing on it. Yeah, the claw type thing, yeah. And I didn't really, I think it would have been better without it. Were you carrying in your appendix position? Uh, This one was a little bit more towards the side, where it was like maybe 2 o'clock. Yeah, so that doesn't help then. That claw doesn't do anything in that position. But generally, we can you can take that off if you if you're not going to carry there. That basically what that claw does is it pulls the grip in closer to your to your skin, uh, to your body so that you don't print. But when you put that on the side, it doesn't do a whole lot because it's still kind of hanging out. Exactly. It kind of seemed like I had extra. Yeah. You know. I think that the differences between men and women and holsters is like. That's a topic that I think we could talk about for like hours, just honestly, because different body styles, different forms of dress, like social norms, like all kinds of different stuff. And I've got tons of experience carrying hybrid holsters. Some of the first ones I I actually carried were enormous. I don't even remember what maybe white hat holsters. I don't think the company's in business anymore, but it was literally like a whole side of beef with a with a Kydex holster bolted onto the front of it. It was comfortable as heck. Mm But also just so much material. It was like putting, I, I don't even have a good thing to compare it to in my pants. But yeah. 
All right, let's move no on. <laughs> All right. Enough about talking about whatever's in your pants. Is it time to read reviews? Yeah, and Lacey, you haven't been here for the last couple of shows. Did you miss no. reading iTunes reviews? I did, and I'm going to miss them next week, too. Okay. All right, move along. <laughs> All right, fine. Little Bob 44 gave us five stars and said, pretty good. What I've been yearning for, gun tech discussion with humor sprinkles. Oh, I love humor sprinkles. I was just like, Ava loves sprinkles. <laughs> I love sugar. Yeah. Jen 08, five stars, awesome podcast. I met Ava through the 2A community and social media. She's very professional and always pumps out great content. We are fans of Gun Funny here in Pennsylvania. Sterner Firearms. Was she talking about you or did she get confused? I know. He, he, like, he called me professional. I was confused. Yeah. I don't know. That's, yeah, it's very weird. <laughs> I'm confused now. Tandem 26, five stars, good things from the get go. Enjoying listening and watching the show come into its own. I will say needs way more Balthazar. No, I think, I thought we retired Balthazar. <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I think we should bring him back. You can never retire me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh. <laughs> All right, Mickey. So what that is, is it's one of the stupid prank call characters that I did one day when we were drunk and now it's like stuck. Everybody loves it. Uh, Well, except me. We just, it's so creepy that we love it. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think he'll ever be back. All right, let's wrap up. So guys, you can find us at gunfunny.com for all the links, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Twitter. Uh, We're on the Firearms Radio Network. And if you can't get enough of us, you should consider becoming a Patreon. That gives you access to our Facebook or our Patreon-only Facebook page, as well as like monthly raffles, um, limited edition T-shirts, shout-out on the show, and you even have an opportunity to be a guest on the show. And we would like to thank our $25 Patreons, who, um, which include Corbin Bonafide, mm-hmm. Adam Balzer from mm-hmm. Charger Arms, and as of last week, Iraq veteran A888 became a Aww, Patreon. Hello, cutie. I know. I love those guys. <laughs> and then our king of the patron is still Cooper Custom Kydex, which we actually might have to have him on as a, a commentator on the show pretty soon because it's been like two months now. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. After, six, after 60 days of becoming king of the Patreons. You can become a commentator on the show. So we'll have him on in the next couple of weeks. Holy shit. But I'm going to become king of the Patreons so I can get a fucking word in edgewise. Okay. <laughs> so uh, that's Cooper Custom Kydex, and he wants us to let you know always affordable options, always quality made. Use code GUNFUNNY2018 for 15% off. And Sean. Yeah. Tell the listeners how they become king of the Patreons. Well, you open up Internet Explorer version 5.0 oh and you type in patreon.com what if you have funny. a mac well then you don't rate in my opinion <laughs> what if you realize that apple is better <laughs> then you're drunk and you need to stop drinking all right so how do you become a patreon <laughs> patreon.com slash gun funny click on the pledge button uh it's got a list of all the prizes all the uh benefits i should say and, and that's all out there so definitely if you if you like the show if you enjoy the show and you have a couple spare bucks Throw it. It helps us, you know, uh, finish off rifle builds when we talk about different parts that we're putting on them, travel to media events and things like that. So if you like it, put a ring on it. Patreon.com slash gunfunny. 
And I think, uh, Ava, anything else to add before we take off? No, just uh, Mickey, once again, where can listeners find you? CarryTrainer.com, CarryTrainer on any social media feed or at the manhole on the south side of Chicago on Thursday nights I dance. Oh, very oh. nice. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> that, 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 well... Yeah. Okay. That, that that's, was a joke. that's worth that a trip. Was a joke. I was like, is that a strip club or a glory hall? I'm, I'm a little <laughs> it's unsure. A strip club, but they've denied every application I've ever dropped off there. This is. Did you shit. ever try to do the tryouts? <laughs> <laughs> I right, love Thank it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. And we will talk to the rest of you next week. Want to send feedback? Suggest a place to prank call? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.